In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I attempt to do something really smart that could also be really stupid. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, the first episode in 2023, our, what is it, 19th season, I've lost track, but as ever, I'm on my way to North Wales, <laughs> you were waiting for me to say that, weren't you? Yeah, I spend a lot of time driving between North Wales and London, or vice versa, and this year, over the Christmas period, because I'm actually recording this programme, the day after Boxing Day. So I'm in that period known as Crimbo Limbo. Yeah, it's not quite New Year yet. So, I'm doing something really smart. I'm driving to North Wales in an electric car. Smart, yeah, we're in the future now. We don't have any excuses anymore. We all should be driving either battery electric cars or hydrogen fuel cell cars or at least some form of hybrid car with energy recovery because what's the point of throwing your energy away when you can recover it using your hybrid system that's how I see it so that's the smart part the daft thing is when I'm choosing to do it now you know what traffic is like in Britain it's pretty awful most of the time most of the place these days isn't it you're fighting for space you're in queues there are 20 mile per hour speed restrictions in town so driving around in town you're kind of better off traveling on a scooter or a bike or even public transport dare i say it than driving around in a car so that bias that shift from driving everywhere to what we now call personal mobility has begun and if you like driving in order to maintain your personal mobility go electric so the smart thing driving to north wales in an electric car the very smart thing i'm doing is driving to north wales in a really smart electric car yep i've got an absolute cracker i know i have because it's an Ionic 5. It's a Hyundai Ionic 5. Or actually, it's not a Hyundai Ionic 5. Because in the last four days, Hyundai have announced that they now self identify as Hyundai. Hyundai? Hyundai? I'm not sure if it's Hyundai or Hyundai. But it's definitely day more than die which I find a bit confusing because my reference point for Korean pronunciation is Daewoo. Do you remember Daewoo? And they spelt their day D-A-E. But Hyundai is D-A-I, but they want us to call it Day, not Dai. So it's Hyundai, not Hyundai. I know I've had this conversation before about how to pronounce this, and I'm sure there are people who listen to this show who are probably better at speaking Southeast Asian languages than me, because I don't speak any Korean. Tiny bit of Japanese, tiny bit of Chinese. So as Korean is sort of somewhere in between those two languages, I should be able to work it out. But Hyundai, Hyundai 
Ionic 5. Now, you know the Ionic 5, it's gorgeous. There's no other word for it. It's just gorgeous. I've always admired Hyundai. 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 I've always admired this South Korean car manufacturer with an unpronounceable name. And you know I'm a big fan. I've driven their internal combustion engine cars. I've driven many of their electric cars, but it's taken me a long time to get into an Ionic 5, and I was offered the opportunity just before Christmas where the lovely people at Hyundai, Hyundai, got in touch with me and said, Gareth, we realise you haven't driven the Ionic 5 yet. Would you like us to send one over? Wow. Isn't that great? I said, yeah, but not right now. Could you send it over a couple of days before Christmas Eve? Which they did. And so I've got this car until January the 3rd, the whole Christmas period, which is amazing. Perfect for what I need. Because on Christmas morning, I woke up at home in London, but Tycho, my oldest son, wasn't at home. He's been flat-sitting for friends, cat-sitting, I should say, down in Old Street, which isn't far from where we are, just the other side of Islington in North London. Hang on, I've got to alter my speed. We're down to 40 miles per hour now on the bottom of the M1. So I'm setting the cruise for 40 miles per hour, and I am relaxing. There you go, there you go, we're down to 40. And yeah, oh, loads of traffic joining from the M25. Here you go. This is why I thought this journey might be a bit daft, because I think there's going to be loads of traffic on this motorway for this journey. And so the demand on electric charging points on the journey is going to be high too, as more and more of us shift to electric driving. So, re-electric driving. Tycho's down in Old Street, which means... I need to go and collect him so he can come and have Christmas dinner at home on Christmas Day. But where Tycho is in Old Street is just in the congestion charging zone. Now, there are all sorts of restrictions on driving in London these days. We're all in the ULES zone, the ultra-low emission zone. So unless you've got a car which is, I think, Category 5 diesel and Category 4, I think that's right, petrol, Euro 4, then you're not allowed... Well, you could drive, but it costs you an extra 12 quid. And then when you drive into the congestion charging zone, there's an additional charge on top of that. So for these sort of local journeys in London, it's going to be cheaper to call an Uber or to do it on public transport. But if you've got a nice EV, you can twinkle your way down there into the congestion charging zone, pick up your son and bring him home. And Tycho noticed that as I was using the speed restrictor on the car, which is really, really handy, now that vast swathes of London have got a 20 mile per hour speed limit, you set the speed limiter and you won't accidentally get a speeding fine, I hope. So that was the first thing about this car. Got in, bang, two buttons straight away, speed limit set to... 20 miles per hour and hopefully I won't get a ticket and I was able to go into the congestion charging zone so I was able to ferry Tyco around in London so there you go electric cars if you live in or near a city 
you're going to be like London. Wherever you live, it probably already is in where you are now. There are going to be city controls over vehicles, personal vehicles. So you really should think about going to electric if you can charge at home. And I can't really charge at home because I don't have off-street parking where I am. But I did, for the first time ever, charge my electric car at home. I understand that you probably shouldn't run electric cables across the pavement to where your car is parked. It's a trip hazard, it's dangerous for children, it's awful for people who have reduced vision or are blind. They're not expecting to find a cable on the floor. So I ran a cable across the pavement. It was only, you know, four foot from the wall of my house to where my car was parked. So I ran a cable and I put a mat down over it as well and a traffic cone because everyone's got a traffic cone at home haven't they and I put a traffic cone covering part of the cable as well to show oh look there's a cable what's this alert and I did it for overnight and I didn't get a ticket now I don't know how it works whether someone will come and knock on your door and say oh Mr Jones you realise you're running a cable here you can't do that you've got a warning don't do it again or whether you find you've got a ticket on your car for some reason I just don't know how that works but I didn't get a ticket I got away with it but I didn't really need to charge the car was delivered to me with some 82% charge so I could have just got in the car headed off to North Wales and charged en route in fact because of the battery capacity of this car I could have done the entire journey without recharging but I'm going to recharge because when I get to North Wales I'm not certain if I can recharge at my sister's house where I'm staying without putting undue pressure on her home electrical system and I'm learning that new thing of if you've got an electric car which will charge super fast using rapid chargers which are available now then you don't need to fill your car up all the time. I was discussing this in the programme where I was driving that MG4. If you've got a rapid charging car, stop at the motorway services, 20 minutes, bang, you go from, what, 20% charge to 80% charge. And that is comparable to a short stop at a motorway. So that difference between the inconvenience of an electric car's slower recharging and the convenience of a rapid refill for a petrol or a diesel car is starting to narrow. And this car has got, I think, the fastest charging rate of any electric car I've driven so far, including, I think, the Tesla S, the Model S that I had many, many, many years ago. I think, I'll need to check this, but I think this car would recharge at 200 kilowatts I mean that's really rapid the battery capacity on board here is 73 kilowatt hours and this model that I've got is the long range one you know the bigger battery there's a base model with a 58 kilowatt hour battery but this is the long range there is another model above this which is four-wheel drive, electric motor across the front, one across the rear wheels. This one is only rear-wheel drive, which means it's slightly lighter and will be 
a little bit more energy efficient. I think, I think. There is an ultra long range version, which I think has got a 78 kilowatt hour battery. I'm not sure if that's available in Europe. I think you can only get that one in America. I really adore this car. I remember when I saw the first picture of it, what, 18 months ago? And I couldn't believe what I was seeing because whilst I've been a great admirer of Hyundai's, Hyundai's for many years, their styling has been handsome, good, but not beautiful. They've been really smart and good looking, but not beautiful until I saw the Ionic 5 because I'm sure you had the same reaction as me when you saw it, which was that's a Lancia Delta Integrale. It really looks like Giugiaro designed this car. He didn't. This car's design was led by Luke Donkerwalker, who is the head of Hyundai Group Styling and Design, I believe now. There are people who work beneath him responsible for the car, but ultimately he's a guy who says, this is what we're doing. And I think Hyundai have really found their what's the word they found their brio <laughs> i'm gonna say that because no brio is the wrong word it's an italian word and they're not italian they've found design confidence it's been coming for years and years i think it started in the other part of the larger hyundai group in kia because so i think the first smart looking car from that group was the kia sportage not the mark one but i think the mark two looked great the mark three looked gorgeous and then slowly across all kias and hyundai's hyundai's they are starting to look absolutely crisp and this car is crisp look at it it's all straight edges straight lines a great diagonal cleave down the side of the car which makes it look poised like it's leaning forward like it's ready to go like a Lancia Delta Integrale. I've joked on the programme before that my ideal car, you know, my fantasy car, would probably be a four-wheel drive built by Hyundai, Hyundai, who makes some of my favourite cars, and it's an EV, but built in Wales. You know, sadly, this car isn't built in Wales. I think it's built, well, it's built in Korea, but it's also built in India I think and I think Indonesia so I'm guessing that the Indian cars where do they go do they come to Europe I'm guessing the Korean cars come to Europe but a lot of Hyundai's are built in Europe of course they've got factories in Eastern Europe I've said this before I'm sure but we think of Hyundai Hyundai I'll stop now Hyundai we think of Hyundai as a Korean car manufacturer, but really they're much more like Ford or Honda or Toyota who build more cars outside of their home country than their own home country. They're a true multinational now. They started in South Korea, but there's a great deal more to them than just their Korean sensibilities. So it was a shock when I saw this car. Wow, that's absolutely brahming. I haven't said that for a long time. Brahming, lovely looking thing couldn't wait to get one and then when I saw one in the flesh again I was gobsmacked because it's huge despite looking 
like a Lancia Delta Integrale, it's much bigger, much, much bigger. Do you remember a car called the Ital Design Lexus Landor? And Gijaro, as you know, my favourite designer, who, as it happened, designed the Lancia Delta, along with lots of other gorgeous cars in the 80s and the 90s. Gijaro decided to come up with a car that was actually based on the Lexus GS300 platform. Now, you know that car. It's equivalent of a Mercedes E-Class in terms of size. But Gijaro did two things. He chopped the boot off, made it slightly taller and quite a lot shorter. It still had a V8, a turbocharged V8, if I remember, possibly even twin turbocharged, so it had loads of performance. And it was a premium car, a luxury car, but it was a hatchback. And that's unusual. Over a certain size, we stop doing hatchbacks, don't we? We do SUVs. When cars become a certain size, they stop being hatchbacks. They get taller metal down the side. They get more rugged looks, more ground clearance. But a hatchback will have slightly smaller wheels, a slightly lower ground clearance. This car has got whopping wheels, 20-inch wheels, and that's what makes it look like it's a smaller car until you see it in the flesh and you can make a comparison with a Golf or a Focus or an Astra or, you know, the classic sort of middle-sized hatchback. There are, I can't think, any large hatchbacks of this size. And I looked into the comparative size of this car because when I saw it in the flesh, I thought, wow, the Ionic 5 reminds me of the Lexus Landor, the Ital Design Landor. And I looked into the measurements and they're very similar in fact the ionic is slightly wider slightly longer and slightly taller than the lando it's a giant hatchback and i like that because we don't all need suvs do we we think we want an suv but most city people don't need an suv do they if you live in the countryside, you might want an SUV for all those reasons. But it's a city car. Go for a hatchback. So go for a giant hatchback. It's so wide inside, it reminds me of my old Sora. My old Toyota Sora. It really is. Oh, the passenger's sitting way over there, and I'm way over here. And the interior is beautiful. It's white leather on the inside, sort of on the grey side of white. Not cream, but grey. So the doors are all white leather. The seats are all white leather. The detailing of the coffee drinks holders in between the two front seats covered in white leather. I bet that's going to get stained by coffee. It's just gorgeous. And it's got acres of real estate, digital real estate, in front of me. It's got a long screen. Actually, it's cheating. It's not really one screen. It's two identical screens. One immediately in front of the driver and one for your navigation and Android Auto and media and everything in the centre of the console. 
it makes it look like it is one because it's in one molding but there are in fact two separate screens which I kind of like because if a screen fails you probably only have to change one of them not both of them and I wonder how long those screens are guaranteed for 10 years 15 years 20 years if we've got a digital screen device we don't tend to keep that much longer than 10 years I'm thinking about your phone I'm thinking about your smartwatch I'm thinking about your television I'm thinking about your iPad you know we move on we come up with new technologies there every 10 or less years 10 or fewer years perhaps I should say Zog would have corrected me so you know how long is these screens going to last are they going to break down are they going to fade are they going to bleach in the sunlight will one of them break will you have to replace one of them or both of them these are good questions for these electric digital cars that we drive around in these days despite not being an SUV this car manages to have a flat floor the battery pack is low and slim which means it's got a flat four if i want i could put my i'm driving the car now at the m1 i could put my leg across past the bit between me and the passenger seat and i could actually you know kick the passenger's feet if i want reach out and stretch my legs out left and right full width you know that's a luxury thing isn't it that sense of space the elbow rest folds away in between the two front seats I could reach out there there's a nice low easy to access storage space there there's a, a fo- when you fold down the um, there you go look at that this car comes to a halt when traffic does I love that I love that especially when you're recording a program because uh, you know my full attention might not be on the road but the car is there's loads of elbow room here and of course space as they say, is not only the final frontier, but the ultimate luxury. And so you get that sense of luxury in this car because of the huge amount of space around your elbows and your shoulders and your knees. And it's the same in the back as well. That is a proper three-seater in the back because of the width. You could get three people there. So it's a great family car. This is a... Okay, hands on the wheel. It's a great family car. Is it a driver's car? Initial reactions, no, I don't think it is. It doesn't feel lively, like that little MG4 that I was driving the other week. It feels a little more inert, a little more stolid. It's not sold as a driver's car. I think there's going to be an Ionic 5N or N5, is that what they will call it? You know, N is the sport sub-brand of Hyundai Hyundai and I think that's coming soon and that will be an absolute blitz that truly would be the Integrale version because it's bound to have more power than this version I think this version has got let me try and remember is it over 200 PS I think 200 brake horsepower and 20 is that right is that how it works 218 PS can't quite remember what the figures were but It's got power in reserve, but I'm not using it. I made a deliberate choice to drive this car in eco mode. Because I'm going on a long journey. When I get to short journeys, I'll switch to sport mode or normal mode when I get on quicker little roads in North Wales. But if I'm going to sit in traffic on a motorway, I might as well go in eco mode. And 
save myself some time. If you think about it, you know, the more energy you use, the longer you have to spend charging. And an electric car, that changes the length of your journey significantly. So driving more slowly will mean you will get there quicker. I know, outrageous, isn't it? Outrageous. Oh, sorry, hands on the wheel. Apologies. So this car is stunning looking outside. Oh, and one of the reasons I think it looks so tantalising is the finish on the car. It's not glass, it's not matte, it's kind of satin. This colour outside, it's somewhere between silver, white and grey. It's on the grey-silver side of white. And it really is lovely. You kind of, when you see it, because of its satin finish, the temptation is just to stroke it. I just want to stroke it. It is so lovely looking, and it looks like it's hewn out of something very expensive because of that. And the wheels, 20-inch wheels, whilst massive, big, black, swirly, spiral centre design and detail around the edge. They're really good-looking wheels. They've gone their own way. They're not mimicking any other wheel that I can imagine. This is truly an original bit of design. And I think the wheels, the scale of the wheels, the design of the wheels, and the sheer scale of this car all add to its presence. It has amazing presence because of all those things, not only its size, but it doesn't look like anything else. Well, apart from the Lancia Delta Integrale used to look in the 90s or the 80s. And part of Hyundai's newfound design confidence has come from looking back into its past. They did a version of the Hyundai Pony. The Hyundai Pony was a fairly straight-edged looking car, which I think Shijaro's Ital design had a big hand in designing. And that was a smart car of its age. And Hyundai claimed that one of the design influences on the Ionic 5 was the Pony. Yeah, 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 I can see that a bit. But I think its biggest design influence is the Integrale which is a better looking car than the Pony in my opinion. Actually, this car, I'd say, is even better looking than the Integrale. You may have heard me say this before on the programme, but I love the way that the future looked in the past. Do you know what I mean by that? Futuristic designs, even from the 1920s and the 1930s, American streamliner trains or visions of the future from the 1930s the 60s and the 50s always looked more futuristic than the future that we actually got to but this car looks futuristic the way the grill is managed that sort of slightly hooded edgy straight line grill the square details the digital details i'm going to call them that of the lighting lots of little tiny square pixels have become an essence of the design i'm going to walk around this car later on and talk about that in more detail but it truly looks futuristic is it the best looking electric car around at the moment i think it's better looking than most teslas which look a little sierra jelly mold for me do you remember the probe the probe 2 i think it was called the ford probe 3 which was version of the Sierra before we saw the Sierra looked a little jelly mold to me and I kind of like straighter edges and this has got a kind of a 70s straight edge future quality to it where the Teslas don't they're handsome they are lovely the Teslas but I think this is 
much sharper looking than a Tesla. Is it sharper looking than an Audi electric car? Yeah, most Audi EVs just look like Audis, don't they? They don't look that special. That line of delineation between Audi's internal combustion engine car design and their electric car design is much reduced now. It's very blurred, isn't it? What else have we got? The Jaguar I-Pace? That's very smart looking, beautiful looking. I'd say this is as good a looking car as the I-Pace, but it looks totally different. It looks modern in a very different way. It looks more modern than the I-Pace. So respect to Hyundai Design for coming up with a beautiful, elegant, stylish... This is a sort of a manager's car, isn't it? I think if you were, you know, on the corporate car ladder... This is a huge step up from the older Ionics and the previous Hyundai electric vehicles, like the Kona, which was really smart, really smart, but this is smarter. It's got edges to it. Yeah, you can probably tell I'm very impressed with this thing already. It's got, I think, did I say a 73? Yeah, I did tell you about the battery capacity. And I bet, as since I've got on this motorway and we've been hit with... 40 mile per hour traffic restrictions because of sheer volume of traffic this is going to be a long journey which probably means i'm going to need to stop to empty my bladder before i need to recharge yeah one of those examples we said it years ago didn't they all you need is a car that goes longer than your bladder a little bit longer than your bladder because you're going to stop at some point but yeah i'm wondering how this journey will go i'm using android auto but i'm still using the car's own navigation system which was slightly confusing earlier on i had to switch from the android auto screen i was getting commands from the onboard nav which didn't tally with the navigation map on the screen which was coming from my phone so hang on what's all that about so yeah as you can tell i've had a great start to 2023 driving a car i've been dying to drive for a long time and i'm thrilled i've got the chance to do it right north wales here we come i'm not in north wales yet because i stopped for a wee really i did need to recharge but more than i needed to recharge i needed a wee so once again that old adage of what's bigger the battery capacity or your bladder capacity so curiously normally when i go up to north wales i go m1 m6 m56 a55 depending on which part of north wales i'm going to but for some reason today when i was on the m6 roundabout warsaw just north of wolverhampton the navigation of the car said get off get on the m54 and go up to wales sort of via telford shropshire that way which kind of makes sense because i'm actually going to mold a bit further east in north wales and where i usually go which is conway a bit further west so okay yeah i'll do that and immediately i made that decision i suddenly thought oh no there's going to be no services on the m54 are there no there aren't going to be oh no i'm not going to be able to wee i'm bursting for a wee now i need to charge fairly soon oh, i need a wee but decided to follow signs for the first services I found, which is Schiffnell Services, which I haven't been here for ages. The last time I was here, I remember I was in that C4 Cactus Citroen that I had 
Uh, so that was, what, 2017 or something like that? Anyway, I'm here, and there are two grids of fast chargers. Arrived, plugged in quickly, had to go for a wee, because that was the most important thing. Set the car up charging, had a quick wee, got a coffee, came back and realised there are a row of Tesla chargers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think. More than that, possibly. A row of them. Just... Oh, in fact, are they car chargers up there as well? I wonder who they are. Hmm, I might have to go and have a look. Because Tesla have opened up some of the locations of their supercharger network to non-Tesla owners. Now, if you've got a Tesla, you turn up, you pick up the charger cable, you approach the car, and it recognises the car. The car opens the hatch covering the charge point, and off you go, charging. Now, in order to be able to use Tesla chargers when you don't have a Tesla, you need to use the Tesla app, which I have on my phone. But you need to add a vehicle, and I can't do that because I don't own a Tesla. And it's asking me for the you know, vehicle owner document, all sorts of VIN number and everything. I can't do that. I haven't got a Tesla. And there should be a button which says, charge your non-Tesla, which will allow you to use the Tesla Supercharger Network locations that are open to non-Tesla charging. But there was no button on my phone for charge your non-Tesla. I'm told there should be. Now, I could go through the whole process of trying to apply the VIN number of this car to that app, but I'm only going to have this car for a week, so there's no point doing all that stuff. Slightly frustrating, because I know Tesla superchargers can dump energy into a car really quickly, whereas the GridServe charger that I'm on is operating at round about 40. It was 39 kilowatts when I looked at it earlier on, and it said it would take... 29 minutes for it to achieve 80%. And when I arrived here, it was about 40%. So yeah, if I could bang this car up to 80%, that would do me. That's fairly efficient. I can go to my sister's. I might be able to charge at my sister's overnight. If not, I know a number of charging locations in North Wales that I could use. So that's fine. That's absolutely cool. I'm really surprised at the number of Teslas that I am watching as they come through to the supercharger grid there actually there must be one two, yeah i think there's five or six Teslas. another one just turned up all charging and there are eight points that's so the most efficient use of a tesla with supercharging network i've seen and the thing is i don't even know if this tesla location is open to non-tesla users i know that the one in flint mountain in north wales my part of north wales is so I might try that, because the great thing about this car is it will charge at a ferocious rate. So if I can get a rapid Tesla supercharger, I can dump miles into this car really quickly. Still working the problem. Actually, I'm going to wander over there and have a look at the other chargers, see what they are. I just got out of the car while it was charging and went over to the Tesla supercharger bays. And every single one was occupied by a Tesla charging. And there were three waiting and a constant stream of cars, everything. Model Y, Model 3, Model X, Model S. They're all represented here. It's amazing the penetration Tesla have got. But hey, I went over there because I thought I'd seen two electric charger towers at the end of the tesla bays and i went up to have a look 
and no they're not it's the uh what do you call it um uh, uh that local distribution node of an electricity grid a bunch of big steel boxes with do not touch you'll be electrocuted the sort of local distributor station that's clearly looking after probably not just the tesla charges but these charges that i'm on as well so no additional non-tesla charges up there and I've been trying to find out if I could have actually used these Tesla chargers here. But why is it when you get to a charging point, A, it's always raining, and B, there's almost no phone signal. Oh, finally, it's come back. Now I've opened my phone again. It was really struggling. It was on that H plus thing where it's using the gsm network rather than the 3 or 4g or 5g it really is slow and pathetic but finally it's loaded so i'm gonna have a look on this and see what i can find out about where and when i can definitely use a tesla recharger i'm gonna have a go but yeah it always rains doesn't it when you're charging an electric car always rains i am now at 84 percent. i'm gonna wait till it's 85 percent, then bang i'm off to see me sister please follow m54 as you can hear him back on the road that stop that recharge using the grid serve network there which worked a treat charged at 39 took me from around right about 40 something to 85 percent it did it in what i estimate to be about 35 minutes perhaps in total which was a perfectly reasonable stop I, you know by the time i'd wound down recorded a little bit for this program had a coffee and was ready to go it was done you know that's doable that sort of thing and it cost me 23 quid that charge just to give you an idea of what it's like charging on the public network now you probably hear a bit more background noise than before that's because it is really horrible the weather is really really horrible raining and i was all misted up so i was just going for a, a full demist let me just turn that off it's a bit quieter right okay other observations about this car already do you know the recharging cap on this car is the second best recharging port cover on any car i've driven so far the winner i think is the cantilever hinge that the audi what was it e-tron sportback that one had a lovely cantilever action this one has got very elegant very thunderbirds very james bond cover open thing but i did rather like the way that worked and the other thing that is worth noting on this car is this is probably the best driver aid setup i've driven in a long time can't remember how good it was compared to a tesla from when i last drove a tesla that was some time ago now and i'm sure that's improved but this is way better than not only that mg4 that i had recently that was passable but when you get into a system that is really sorted you really appreciate it um i'm just trying to remember how to engage the cruise control come on cruise control all right no i don't want limit i want cruise control pressing buttons the lane guidance is just exquisite 
it completely knows how to drive down the centre of a lane. You know, very often you find cars slightly hunt and slalom their way down a lane. Not this car. It goes nice and deep into the lane before just slightly adjusting. It's almost as if it's looking for the opposite of a racing line, but kind of a late entry into a corner, so you can see around the corner. It's really good. And the way that it's configured at the moment, where if I take my hands off the wheel for, what is it, 12 seconds? Let's do it. Let's see. Here we go. One elephant. Two elephant. Three elephant. Four elephant, five elephant, six elephant, seven elephant, eight elephant, nine. There we go. Nine, and I've got a flash on the screen that reminds me to touch the steering wheel. That was nine seconds, or nine elephants, roughly a second. It doesn't feel like it's bothering me all the time, and I don't feel that when I've got my hand on the wheel that I'm fighting with the driver assistance. I feel like I'm just letting it know I'm here. It's really finely balanced. You know, Hyundai have been doing this for a long time now and it's been good on the other Hyundais I've driven, but on this car, it just tracks straight and true and nice, does it properly. Bit like a Lexus. Do you remember one of the first very impressive experiences I had with driver assistance was in a Lexus LS, what do we call it, the 600H, is that what it was? And I remember driving all the way from Derbyshire to London barely without doing anything. It just took control. It was in control, it was comfortable with itself, it was confident and smooth. And this car, a Hyundai, does now what a Lexus did, what was this, 10 years ago. Now, that tells you two things. One, Hyundai, or Hyundai, Hyundai? Hyundai, I think, are now capable of making cars as good as any. And they're offering sort of Lexus-level luxury and quality on a car that isn't Lexus price. So what does that mean for Genesis? Because, you know, Genesis is the premium Hyundai brand. Shares a lot of stuff with this car. But this car feels luxurious. It really feels special. So the new electric Genesis, which I haven't driven, I've driven the internal combustion engine car, and that was deeply, deeply impressive. I'm curious as to how good those Genesis are going to be. Because the Hyundai, phenomenal. Hmm, that makes me think as well. Maybe it's time for Hyundai to come up with a budget brand, you know, an entry-level brand. I wonder what that would be called. Anyway... Plenty of good things to report about this car. Why am I not surprised? Can you hear that sound? That is the sound of a Podpoint electric vehicle rapid recharger at Lidl in Llandidna Junction in North Wales as I once again for the uh, umpteenth time probably recharge the Ionic 5 I've had a very good charging experience with this car do you remember me saying at the top of the show that what I was going to do was going to be a good idea but also a really daft idea well the daft idea was 
deciding to drive an electric car over the Christmas and New Year period. Only daft because everybody was out in their cars, visiting family, buying presents, dropping presents, all that. And so whenever I arrived at a charging point on my journey, there were occasions where I had to wait. I think the longest I waited was probably 15 minutes to get on a charger. And that was when I took the car from North Wales to Doncaster in Yorkshire to do a family thing. And we got to somewhere on the M62, I think, near Yorkshire. And there were probably four or five chargers and lots of cars waiting. But the protocol people are really sweet they're really nice oh i'll only be another 10 minutes i'm only charging up to 80 percent so you'll be all right so you know with that sort of level of communication and courtesy charging electric car was great we are at saturation at the moment the electric car charging network is growing rapidly but the number of electric cars and therefore the number of people out and about in electric cars is also growing and so you know there might be occasions where you have to wait to get a charge but it is very much easier to get a charge these days i have to admit i did charge in a way you're not really supposed to i used a 240 volt extension cable and the adapter when i was staying at my sister's house and was able to charge at something like 1.5 kilowatts whilst i was staying at my sister's and you do that overnight and you get what 20 percent charge or something like that overnight which is great that's like free charging free charging that's how it feels oh free electricity yes i know it's not free i know you're paying for it but it's a lot cheaper than the electricity that you pay for on public charging points i have not found an ultra rapid charger to test the Ionic 5's ability to charge very, very quickly indeed. Might do that on the way home. I know it can be a little expensive, and I know there's a ultra-rapid charging point in Milton Keynes, which might be about the best place for me to recharge on my journey from North Wales to London. But the car is ace i think i said it was on the gray or silver side of white when i first got it but no having studied the car in welsh light it's very definitely silver that not matte but silk i think silver i think i said that already and there are a couple of things about the car that i finally got to grips with that i was unable to earlier on you know the whole connection with android auto i'm now completely across two things that bug me i haven't yet worked out how to get the wing mirrors to tucking automatically when you lock the car that's a settings thing which i will explore but the only thing about this lovely car and it truly feels like one of the most luxurious electric cars i've ever driven the only thing about this car which i don't understand and i why why why, why doesn't it have this a rear wiper on the rear window very often the view out of the back is obscured by all the muck that gets thrown up onto the back window and that mg4 i had recently didn't have a rear wiper and this doesn't as well have rear wipers gone out of fashion if so why 
Why was there a period when every car had one of those and now we don't? Have I missed something here? Has there been a memo passed around that I don't know? I don't know. Also, I've bumped into a couple of other Ionic 5 owners. Not that I'm an owner, but I've bumped into Ionic 5 owners on the journey who all praise their cards. Oh, it's lovely. It's so quiet. So easy to charge. All those things that I say about it. It is softly sprung but firmly damped which means you get a compliant ride that is smooth and quiet and yet responsive it's not the sports car that the mg4 was but having said that i've only really driven this car in eco mode i don't see much point in driving around in sport mode and just using up electricity unless you're in a hurry and able to get somewhere to charge quickly and in eco mode there's plenty of oomph in this car i'm not sure what the figures are but i think the 0 to 60 time on this car is what seven and a half seconds i may be wrong on that but it wouldn't surprise me it's got loads of oomph and i know i keep going on about this but it's just so pretty hang on why is my pod point saying welcome has it stopped charging 15 minutes to 80 percent i should say that right now it is about 6:45 on new year's eve yes it is 6:44 on new year's eve and i've got to head up to my friends carol and steve before going out for a big night out in conway for new year's eve so here we are the end of 2022 i know you're listening to this in 2023 But 2022 seems like a period where we've moved on with electric cars. Not just the infrastructure, but the cars themselves. There's more choice if you want an electric car than ever. And some of them are just beautiful. And I think in terms of design in the electric cars I've driven so far, this Ionic is by far the most handsome. It's a stunner. Wherever I've parked it, people have said, that's good looking. What is it? A Hyundai? I said, no, it's a Hyundai. (laughs) Back to that again. I have only good things to say. But I'm not quite done yet. I will wrap this review of this magnificent car up for you before the end of the programme. Gareth Jones on Hello from the future, and by that I mean it's now 2023 for me. I've been up in North Wales over the New Year period, had a marvellous New Year's Eve, and here we are 48 hours later on the 2nd of January, and you can still hear how husky my voice is from overdoing it on New Year's Eve. So it was a good one, and it's been an amazing trip in an extraordinary car. This is almost certainly the best Hyundai electric car, sorry, Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai electric car that they've made so far. It feels special. It looks special. Everything works so easily. It's also got some features on this car that I haven't even had a chance to explore yet. There is a snooze mode on the two front seats. If you want... While you're charging, you can put the seat into snooze mode. That drops the 
backrest all the way back and it kicks up a sort of a additional bolster like the sort of thing that you get on an international flight you know where just in front of the squab that you sit on there's another bit that will reach up and you can rest your legs and have a nap while you're charging but here's the thing i'm not sure you're going to need that that often because this car charges as fast as you can get a charger really you've got to go up to faster than 200 kilowatts i think to maximize the potential of this car to get energy in it and i've managed beautifully well the whole time i said at the start of this program that i was going to do something really smart drive a great car and perhaps do something really daft and a daft thing was attempt to do this over the holiday period expecting to queue for charging well i have a little bit but as soon as you get on bang you stick the power in and if you plan your route carefully you can find fast enough charges i'm currently sat at an instavolt charger in corley services near birmingham and i got out of the car with 13 percent charge in it put it on a 50 kilowatt charger and then went over got a burger went to the toilet came back that took 25 minutes and i've come back to the car that is now 60 percent charged and it'll be 80% charged in 19 minutes. And I don't need that. I've only got 100 and something miles to do before I'm home in North London. There's more than enough charge in the car to get me there now. So I can get home and I can charge using one of those street lamp chargers that are in my neighbourhood. So there you go. I'm learning how to use an electric car here in the future. We'll all need to do this at some point and we're still in the relatively early adopter days but it's clearly doable and easier than ever now believe me there are drawbacks if you can't charge at home but we've discussed that there are three other things i must mention about this car number one the lighting on the interior is just great depending on what mode you're in eco normal or sport the speakers down in the footwells change the color of the light ring around them they're green because i've been driving around in eco blue if you're driving around in normal red if you're driving around in sport now here's how good this car is i've driven it in eco mode almost the whole time i've had it almost the whole time occasions i went through snowdonia on new year's eve for a drive around put it in sport there and that was just great it's planted it's wide you know it doesn't roll like i said it's softly sprung and firmly damped it doesn't feel like a lively car it feels more like a cruiser or a gt a long distance car than a sports car and i think four five adults would have a very comfortable time in here a downside of this flat floor thing this is something to watch out for i've learned from this you know because there's no transmission tunnel and you know i was saying that you could reach over from the driver's seat and put your feet in the front passenger footwell from the driver's seat that means that there's a gap there right and i keep my bag with all my bits in it my computer and charger and all that stuff and this recorder in the footwell the passenger footwell and i went round a roundabout with a little bit of excitement and left it and as i left it you know hard left my bag rolled or tumbled from the front passenger footwell 
to my footwell before it got in the way of my feet and pedals but it could well have got in the way of my feet and pedals so i've learned that's the one downside of this flat floor you can't put bags on the floor they're going to roll underneath your legs and get in the way of the pedals so put me bag on the back seat i think or on the floor in front of the back seat one final thought on this car looking at my average energy use whilst i've been driving it over this last week it's averaging 3.1 miles per kilowatt hour now that's not as good as the mg i had that got 3.4 and regularly showed 3.7 this car's never got that so it's not quite as efficient in terms of long-leggedness as you can get these days but my gosh it's better than good enough it really is big fan of this car do you remember there was a song a long time ago called sorted for ease and whiz well that's this car it's sorted for ease you can get loads of energy in that battery very quickly enough for big long journeys between london and north wales without having to stop every half an hour or an hour or even two hours you know it's a three and a half hour car this i think so it's sorted for ease and it's got plenty of whiz as well because as i was coming down the a41 earlier on again i popped it into sport mode just to see how it would pass things and oh my gosh it's got plenty of performance so this car is sorted for ease and whiz what are hyundai gonna do next i can't imagine i'm gonna have to try and find out that's it you've been listening to gareth jones on speed the first episode for 2023 stay with me for 2023 and if you enjoy the show please share links to this program or tweet me message me come to the facebook site all the information is at the end of the program but please get in touch because the more i hear from you the more people i know are listening the longer this show will run take care and happy new year for information on how to contact the show see pictures get song lyrics follow us on twitter find our facebook fan page or to sponsor the show go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by a whiz bang gareth jones